In 2018, the Wealth Standard Podcast broke down the year into three seasons, each focusing on a principle from the inspired works of philosopher John Locke, specifically his philosophy on life, liberty, and property. In 2019, we progressed from principle to the ideal environment for building wealth and achieving prosperity. The theme was laissez-faire capitalism. For season two, it continues. The theme is entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how you apply the principles and environment to the individual. The guests ranging from economists to entrepreneurs to political influencers, authors, and more will teach you how to take your life to the next level. Now, on to the next episode. Hi, everyone. This is Patrick. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Well Standard Podcast. Listen, I know we're in challenging times. Uh, I hope you guys are learning about ways to thrive. You're definitely going to learn something on this interview, especially if you are interested or currently invested uh, in real estate. There is no one better than Ken McElroy to speak to what's going on in the current environment, where are their opportunities, what to do, and I think most importantly, what not to do. I hope you've enjoyed the last couple of podcasts, the Richard Duncan ones. I know they were deep. Hopefully that inspired you guys to learn more about monetary policy and its relevance given what's going on and what's likely to uh, to come uh, based on the Fed's uh, inevitable involvement. Uh, today, you're going to see something that I've been seeing over the last uh, couple of months where whether it's uh, uh, Ray Dalio or Tony Robbins or, or other very influential and successful individuals who are taking the time to teach others and putting so much relevant information and content out there for free. Ken, if you go to KenMcElroy.com, there is so much there relevant to what's going on right now that you guys have access to for free. He has a free newsletter and email list. And if you guys are involved in real estate, you're definitely going to want to tune into his social media channels and and listen to what he has to say. He is living and breathing breathing what's going on right now and has contacts with some of the most amazing people, uh, not just in Arizona and in the country, but around the world. And uh, also he you know is uh, partners with Robert Kiyosaki and they've written some books together and he's written his own books. This guy is amazing and so giving and definitely focused on contribution. So uh, tune into what he has to say. Keep your ears open, please. It's uh, it's really important, especially if you are involved with real estate. Additionally, Ken does have a behind-the-wall uh, platform specifically for more professional real estate investors, and uh, and I was able to get uh, some money off. If you guys want to participate in that, it's just a few hundred dollars a year. Uh, just use the code Patrick, and you guys can, uh, if you are in a professional in real estate and own multiple properties or syndicate, raise money. This is definitely information you uh, you want to have. Kenny is the master, so you guys are really going to enjoy it. Uh, listen, we have a lot more uh, coming to you in the future days. One thing that I would encourage, though, I know this is time to focus and spend on personal development. The last couple of seasons that we've had all focused around the principles of entrepreneurship. And right now, I believe are times when uh, the entrepreneur is getting ready to strike and find ways in which they can provide value to the world. And it's everywhere. Uh, so make sure you're on our email list. There's a, a couple of opportunities coming. Go head over to thewellstandard.com. 
Check out the show notes. We mentioned a variety of books throughout this podcast. You're going to want to get those titles there. And thank you guys for the support. We've been uh, getting lots of new uh, subscribers to the YouTube channel as well as listenership. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this interview with my good, uh, good friend, Ken McElroy, who is a, uh, a rich that advisor. He is uh, the principal of MC Companies, has been in, uh, a real estate investor for the better part of three decades and has done over a billion dollars in transactions. Yeah, he's written books. And right now he's really focusing on boosting goodwill and doing that through mostly his social media channels, as well as kenmacaroy.com. So you guys are in for a treat. So please uh, welcome my guest, Ken McElroy. Hey, Kenny, it's, uh, it's amazing to have you on. It's been, uh, it's been far too long. And uh, you've, been, you've been doing incredible things uh, online, and it looks like you're having a lot of fun doing it. Oh, my gosh. It's been such a blessing. I, as you know, I'm full balls to the walls you know, on real estate and have been for years buying and building and managing and all the things that come with that. And so I haven't been able to do a lot of this because of that. And so now you know, we're on lockdown. And so I'm like, well, let's use this as an opportunity. So it's been a great, 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 great opportunity to really dig in, study, call lots of people, figure out kind of what's happening. And want to apply it to my own business, but also to teach, you know, what you know I love to do. So it's been a massive blessing. I hate what people are going through, but for me, it's been a great blessing to be able to dig in and try to teach so that people don't make some of the same mistakes. No, it's one of those times where when disruption happens, you learn, you learn so many lessons and you find all sorts of opportunities. Uh, at the same time, it probably wasn't what you were anticipating. I, I think you, in our conversations over the years, you were... You were definitely anticipating something, but I don't think anybody could have called what happened with the whole COVID-19 and just everything shutting down. No, no, gosh, no. And then just going back through the cycles, there's been a, uh, there's been a few just, just staying in 2000s. You know, we had 9-11, which I went through, and, and that was super small, but it did make a massive correction. And then there was the dot-com, and um, then we had the run on the cheap money. So it's been different. All of them, this is just something different. And so, I obviously, it's horrible what's happening. It is happening. And so, for me, it was going to be something uh, because I thought it was going to be corporate credit personally, but, and that's actually being exposed right now, but it happens to be this, which is exposing corporate credit, which is now not really being talked about. But that was a big deal. And so, it's just different. And you can never tell. I mean, there's there's certain fundamentals and looking in the rear view mirror, it's always easy, right, to identify similarities, but it's really about, okay, what's the windshield and what's gonna happen as a you know, as as a result. But I still think we're in the thick of it, right? And so that's what's always impressed me about you is that you don't necessarily settle on a bias or an opinion. You have them. At the same time, you always question them and you realize that. You know, other people know certain things and have a different perspective. And so it sounds like you've been in like the, you know, the information gathering mode really to identify, okay, what's, what's really going on and how are things going to be effective and where are the opportunities? Maybe speak to that a little bit as far as some of the things you've been studying and, and are now aware of and, uh, you know, what you're, what you're seeing maybe as the, the windshield starts to, fo- the fog. Uh, is uh, starting to disappear from the windshield. Yeah. Well, I think, well, let's go back to, I mean, you and I, what I love whenever I chat with you is I'm a cycle guy and you love, I mean, you love economics. And so for me, you've got the recession, then you've got the recovery, got the expansion, you've got the hyper supply, and then you've got the recession and you've got the recovery. You know what I mean? It's just a big bell curve. 
And so I'm always, Patrick, always trying to figure out what I'm missing. So obviously I'm decisive like you, but I always keep my mind open. I always want to know like what I'm, you know, because the, the, all, every time I seem to mess up in my life, it's, it's what I don't see. And, um, and so, so for me in 2018, I was like, wow, like it's, it's tough to buy. People are overpaying for things. And rents are growing like crazy and it's great. And there's lots of money and lots of syndications and people are like, aren't you in the market? I'm like, no, no, no. You know, we're, we're, we're going to focus on ops as you know, we did. And then in 2019, you know, they kept getting crazy. And so my partner and I, Ross, I said, I think we should sell. I, I go, look at how much, look how much things, look how much these are worth. Like, you know, we're going to make millions of dollars just because cap rates are in the low fours and, and even less. And I said, we bought these things at five, six, seven. And uh, I said, I think we should exit on uh, a bunch of projects. So, so we sold uh, right around $250 million worth of stuff in 2019 through the whole year. It took most of the year. And I only say that, uh, Patrick, because I didn't know it was going to be at the peak. I, I didn't know if we had a year or two or three left. I didn't know, but I knew that I had made a lot of money. And I knew that what we bought to what we paid to what we sold at was a lot. And I was I was trying to take care of our investors. And also, like, like anything, you're not supposed to time everything. And I'm like, oh, hey, Let's maybe we leave some meat on the bone for the next guy. And so, so for me, when the fundamentals got out of whack, and this is a conversation you and I had, I just said, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I, can't, I can't get equity and pay six, seven, eight percent and have cash flow of two or three, <laughs> you know? And, and so I, I don't want to be in that situation. And so that's why we got out. So, Ken, I mean, you, you've obviously had several different, you know, cycles you've been through. And there are a lot of investors that you know may not have exited in a timely manner. So, based on your experiences of the past, because I know you've kept, in the past you've kept a lot of properties through down cycles. What would you say are some of the questions and concerns you're getting from those that kind of hear the birdies chirping? You don't have to pay rent, and there's going to be laws where you can't be evicted. And how do you usually respond to to those uh, to those concerns, even though it's early on in this? Still, I, I see the feedback we're getting where the, the majority of concerns is, am I going to get my rent? Am I, you know, is, is this something that now I'm going to be personally obligated to deal with? So, well, we still have 8,000 tenants. So we, we, still, we still own a lot of property. And, you know, I have commercial, I have self-storage, we have a multifamily, uh, as you know, and uh, mostly class A and B. And then we have ground up construction that we're doing and, and we own a management company. We have a construction company. So these are things, uh, honestly, Patrick, I was at the office all day today on Zoom calls with my leadership team on these exact issues. So I can speak to them directly. First of all, as a company, we're all plugged into the National Apartment Association, the National Multi-Housing Council. And there was a survey in April for 13 and a half million apartments and universally, everybody collected about 89%, which was pretty darn good. And so the big question mark is, and by the way, at the end of March, we weren't sure, you know, we're like, okay, but we did stress tests on all of our projects. And really, there's only two major components that you got to cover. One is your operating expenses, and two is your debt. So those can be very different from property to property. Some can be principal and interest. Some can have high property taxes and high expenses. So every property is so very, very different. But that's where the management part came in. So, so we were super cognizant about that. And we knew what our minimum thresholds were for rent collection. And we actually thought that we were going to collect around 75% for April 1st. But we ended up, personally, we ended up collecting into the 90s. And 
there was a whole team of people working on this. Did you do anything different? Yep. We did a okay. lot of things different. So there's a, you can imagine, there's just, it depends on where the property is. So if it's in an area that is pretty high in healthcare, for example, no issues. If it was a senior property, no issues. Student property, trouble. Anything that's service-related, trouble. Anything that's tourism-related, trouble. So, so a lot of it depends on where it is, who's in it. And so for us, what happens a lot of times, and this is actually where the prop, uh, where good property manager comes in. If you filled your properties with good people that have good credit before, they're going to come in and sit down with you and work with you. If you have it, then you're going to be a little more exposed, as Warren Buffett says, you know, <laughs> the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. And so for us, that was a big focus, running criminal credit and background checks background on checks. every single person, making sure they could pay. Now, these are good people. They don't want to be booted out. We don't want to boot them out. So we, we created our own internal program that uh, we're working with them individually, all of them. We have 8,000 people. So uh, I think the numbers were roughly about half the 60% just paid. You know what I mean? And then the others had had all kinds of scenarios. You know what I mean? And it, it was really a case by case. And we, we did this in 2008. We said, okay, your life's been interrupted a little bit. So let's let's sit down and work this out because you, know, you don't want to move out. We don't want you to move out. And I'd rather actually have a good tenant with a good history, a good credit history in our place than not. I'd rather have them than a vacancy because I also knew now we're you know, you're not going to really rent much at the moment. Mm -hmm. And so we went on damage control with our lenders, we went on damage control on our ops. We cut out all CapEx projects. We cut out all marketing. We cut out the very, very, we, we hit every single line item except employees. We kept everybody and we said, okay, how can we run this building and not spend anything and then just hunker down on our cash? And that's what we did. Even with all that, we're quite concerned about May 1st. And that's because you think about it, everything hit like mid-March. Yeah. And people had already paid March. And they, you know, they were only two weeks away or one week away from paying April rent. And a lot of them were still working. So, you know, that's done. But now, you know, a lot of stimulus money came in. But now we'll see. May 1 is going to be a big test for this industry. I think the 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 main thing is communication, right? You you took a proactive approach and communicated with with tenants, acknowledging what was going on, and then starting to maybe identify uh, opportunities, right? As opposed to them just trying to figure out figure it out on their own. Right, right, like it, exactly right. So, in fact, today we were talking about okay, uh, give me the stats on April, and and she said we have you know a hundred some people paying rent this Thursday, you know that we're on the payment plan. And then we had 26 people that we had to put abandonment notices on. And she said um, on one project and on that, on those people, she's like 20 of them came in right away. You know what I mean? So it's just a process of working with these people. But I'll tell you, I actually think multifamily is going to be fine long-term because now that people are starting to get money, it's going to really take a big hit. But I actually think retail, uh, I have lots of friends in the retail space. I've got, it's horror stories. So these are guys that have, you know, I had one friend, he's like, yeah, I got, I have 14 tenants in this retail center and only two paid. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, who are they? He's like, you know, your wedding shop, your water store, your, you know, your restaurant, your bar, your this, your dry cleaner. And so that I think is going to be one of the bigger issues in the commercial retail. And I think that's going to start to show up here in the next 60 to 90 days. Probably office space too, because I think everyone was forced to work from home, be remote. And 
you know, they, they figured it out, but I'm, I'm assuming the success stories that exist are realizing, wow, I don't have to pay parking and I don't have to pay for snacks. I don't have to pay for utilities, yep. right? Where you can operate a little bit more thin as you come out of this. That, that's more of a long-term thing, but you're right. So I own some office buildings and we, we were able to get everybody to pay, but there are going to be companies that they're reliant, like a, let's say it's called a franchise. They have 20, 30 franchises in town and they're not making money, then they're not paying the franchise or, and then I mean, they can't pay the landlord or the, the management company who can't pay the landlord. So all those things are going to happen, but you're right. Ultimately, people are going to rethink at the end of their leases. They're going to go, okay, you know what? I don't need this much space. You know, we looks like we can operate remotely. And so I think not to mention the fact that retail was already just on a shoestring, man. I mean, like, I mean, Amazon, everybody's direct to consumer now. Like you can order stuff from Walmart or Target or Home Depot or obviously, well, no, Amazon. And, so and margins so the, just continue to, get, yeah. continue to get squeezed. So the new normal is go on your computer and while you're sitting there eating breakfast and order whatever you need and it comes right to the door and it's there at night and no longer do you have to drive down to the store and throw it in the back of a car and drive to the house and unload it. So that's the new normal. And so those a lot of those businesses are done for good. That's horrible. They're gonna, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. But my big concern about all of this is if you, and I know you study you look back at all these different things that have happened for unemployment. One, two, you know, most of the time, unemployment is, you know, at the, at the worst, it's been 1.9 to say 2.2 million people. You know, we're in the mid 20s. We're like 10x, you know, like, like, okay. And so everybody would say, oh, they're, it's temporary. They're all going to go back to work. That's not true. Of the, whatever the number is, I think last week it was 22 million. So maybe, what, 14, 15 million of those people go back to work. We're, we're going to be left with massive unemployment. And it's going, to ha- it's going to take a long time to work itself out. And those are people that pay us rent. Those are the people that buy groceries and they go to restaurants and they do dry cleaning or they don't do dry cleaning or you know, all those kinds of things. And the economy's humming along. And that is, I think, what everybody's missing. And there's and that that demographic is still operating on a shoestring, and now but you you add in and this is probably a good transition. A, a lot of the stimulus that the government has proposed, CARES Act being being one of them, which obviously was was part uh, business, part individual. Do you do you see that's made a difference as a given confidence, and maybe add into into that the the unemployment, you know, specifically the the you know federal unemployment, who's uh, you know boosting the state unemployment, if that if that's making a difference? Do you think the stimulus, the government intervention has been making a difference? Oh, I do. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I mean, we actually got our PPP money last week for our own company. We needed it. You know, we didn't obviously lay anybody off and we're in a, considered an essential business because we're housing. And I have friends that haven't gotten any. I have a good friend that owns a, a lot of uh, gyms in town. He's got 900 employees. He hasn't received a nickel because he's over 500 employees. And so these are real people with real businesses crashing. Uh, and that's on the business side only. On the, on the renter side, you know, um, you know, they might own businesses and might have jobs or, or whatever it might be. That unemployment, that stimulus money is super helpful for people. And, but you never know what they're going to do with it. That's the truth. Do you think there's going to be more stimulus and you know, specifically relating to real estate? Do you see that? I know that there hasn't been anything announced, but from what you're hearing, I know that the associations you belong to probably have lobbyists and influencers who are trying to push for you know, certain provisions, especially if they you know, start to mess around with uh, ev- eviction laws. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 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 thing is, um, you know, uh, yes, we've been all over the eviction stuff. Uh, I actually had a conversation with the governor. I've known twenty years, actually, back when he owned Cold Stone Creamer here in Arizona, and, and so we've been all over these things. You know, because. On one hand, they're saying, hey, you can't boot anybody out. And by the way, we don't want to. And on the other hand, they're saying, you got to pay your mortgage. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we're saying, listen, like, can't get the income, then we're not going to do it here. So so our biggest concern is what the lenders are going to do and if they're going to give us any kind of forbearance. And right now, as you know, on the, it hasn't, they're, the forbearance programs aren't that great. They let you bump three months, but then it's due on a balloon <laughs> in the fourth month. And so really needs to be tacked to the back of the loan and give everybody a little bit of room. I'm most concerned with with my buddies that are in that in those like retail centers. They're not going to be able to pay their their mortgages, and so they're going to have to go into a default. And then the lenders have to move forward in defaulting them. And, and the problem is that we're seeing is what does a lender do if you've got a loan on a center? You want to work with the guy that owns the center or the partnership. But the truth is, they got to take a look at the center too and go, which one of these businesses are going to make it, and which ones are not. Same thing with the multifamily. So what are the, is the space replaceable where you have to do new build outs and you have right, to- <laughs> right, right. So I was I was playing golf last week uh, in Arizona. Um, golf courses are essential, as you would imagine. So, I have a golf simulator in my office, because, yeah. which is why I come here every day. Just, just yeah, it's so great. So anyway, I was playing golf with a bunch of buddies in my business, and I had one friend that had three properties in escrow, and the buyer had wired a million two to escrow, and the the agreement flowed that money all the way to the seller, which was his group. And and then the lender said, you know what? We're not going to loan on these. And then he said it happened on another deal where he had 500 grand up. And then it happened to him where he had another deal where he had 500 grand up. So what's happening is anything that got valued in, uh, say, January, February, and maybe early March, the lenders, if they haven't actually locked rates and, you know, they haven't given the full commitments or they're going, like, we see a little bit more risk here and we're going to kind of, you know, we're going to take a look. So there's a lot of arguments happening right now on deals that are in the works, uh, that'll be very, very interesting. That argument uh, will be very, very interesting. But the lenders are changing their tune right now because they see more risk moving forward. And I, just like you would or I would, I don't blame them. I don't either. And they, you know, and I would say just given the liquidity that existed, they just kept doing their job, right? But it obviously put them in a predicament as well as the the property owners. Well, let's let's maybe transition away from the the pessimistic side of things, yeah. right? Because there's certainly enough there to, to be concerned about. But I look at your experience through 2008, 2009, 2010, uh, as well as previous downturns in, in the economy. You anticipated then, you're anticipating now. I mean, obviously, it doesn't make sense to plant any seeds in, you know, in winter, right? What are you looking for that is, uh, would, would make you excited to get back in and start planting some seeds because science, Punxsutawney Phil poked his head up and yeah. <laughs> saw his shadow? Well, or didn't see it. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think. Well, first of all, I I think people are they need to adjust their paradigms, their own belief systems on what's happening. And I did a video actually it came out today on YouTube on this issue. You know, I said, listen, there's I did these concentric circles and I called it lag. I said, okay, here we are with COVID nineteen, and you know, the first circle is unemployment. And the next circle are loan defaults. And the next circle are bank REOs. And the next circle is when you buy. You know what I mean? And and mm. then and then so these things, it's like a balloon when it when it inflates through this recession or before this recession during this hypersupply. And it slowly inflates. And so you have to wait. You have to give it time to deflate. And and what happens is 
like like those guys I was telling you about, they are in trouble. They're going to fight like heck. They're going to try to do cash calls. They're going to use their cash reserves, and they're going to try to hold things together as long as they can. And that might be a month. It might be two years. And so all of this stuff has to unwind on its own. And at the end of the day, Patrick, it's going to be the people who have the most cash reserves and and also what the banks are willing to do. Because if if all this, you know, even if the guy's 100% occupied and at the end of the day, he's got a center that's 50% occupied, he's still not going to make it. So you just have to wait. And then once the bank gets something back, as you know, and I know from personal experience, they don't write it down right away. Mm. That's to sit on their books for a while. They have to like, oh, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And then, you know, it takes, it could take months for that to happen. So we're looking at a long period of time here, I think. So what do you, what would you say, especially for the amount of run-up that existed after 2008, 2009, when tremendous stimulus, interest rates were low, right? It, it's for those that have been through cycles, Right, it's easy to, to say, okay, if that if that's what they're doing, then asset prices are just gonna gonna boom. What is like where we're at right now in that debt cycle? Do you like do you see that things are gonna get better soon, or do you think that they're gonna get uh, worse, or do you think it's gonna be different this come around? Is it a cycle that kind of goes back to the way it was, or is it a cycle that learns its lesson and then rebounds from the lesson? Well. I think everybody, like, I think what happens every cycle is people don't learn their lesson. And so what's happening is, as we were talking about earlier, nothing against these, all these syndicators that are going out and raising money and buying stuff. And, you know, I'm, I, I hope, I hope they all did fine. But the, the truth is I was bidding on those things. I know the numbers. I'm not, I'm not going off of speculation. I was losing deals to people that were paying a million, two million, three million higher than I was willing to pay. I knew the underwriting. I knew the numbers. I knew the debt. I knew everything. Okay. And so like to like, those people aren't going to make it, period. They're going to have higher vacancy, flat rent growth. You know, We're going to start to see concessions and all those things are going to pop. And let's don't forget what drives real estate. It's jobs and it's population movement too, but um, which is not really happening at the moment. But it's jobs. And so, so if you're in Florida, for example, I mean, I don't have to tell you that tourism in Florida, tourism in Southern California, you know, tourism in some of those areas, they're going to hit, hit pretty hard. You know, if you're in healthcare, for example, you're probably going to have a little softer scenario. So you have to kind of look at what industry. I have friends in student housing, and they're toast. You know, I mean, people are thinking like I like I have two kids. They're actually both in my house right at this very moment down the hall, and I'm paying U of A to. You know, I'm wiring money to University of Arizona and they're wiring their, you know, they're on Zoom calls in their bedrooms taking classes and they don't know what they're going to do next year. And so people are starting to look at that education and college education and is it worth it? And, you know, you know, all those different scenarios. And so the student housing guys are getting nailed because they moved out. And in a lot of cases, they, it was mandatory. They had to move out. And so they're going to move back in. School's going to reopen. So there's all these things that are going to happen. And it's fascinating. And you just got to kind of watch. There'll be soup. There'll be massive opportunities in all of those areas. Of course, things are going to come back. But when, you know, I don't know about you, but are you going to take your family on a cruise ship in the next three years? That's my point. Okay. I feel the same way. I know a lot of my friends feel the same way. So, you know, those behaviors are going to change. And so all of a sudden, you know, Miami hotels and, you know, the, uh, the theme parks and the, all the things that you would do when you were down there before, you know, as part of that experience and, you know, catching a, let's say a cruise ship out of Miami is different. 
and it's gone and it's changed. And so it's going to have a ripple effect on the people that work for the different, you know, all those different businesses and, you know, their own homes there and they rent there and, and the restaurants and all that stuff. It's, it's totally propped up based on a lot of these things. And so you just have to watch, you know, and, and certain areas are going to do, I think, really well. It's interesting. I was talking to um, a friend of mine and like the Cleveland Clinic, you know, obviously it's one of the, you know, it's nationally revered, even internationally revered. Like, you know, Cleveland's like super strong right now, you know, well, first of all, it was never in a bubble. But but at the same token, you know, they're they've got all these doctors, all this healthcare stuff going on there. I'm not advocating to buy in Cleveland. I'm just saying that it's interesting to me that you, you have some areas that are like really doing well and others that aren't. And you just gotta pay attention to jobs and population. So if you're if you're the syndicator or you're you you've raised money or you own and you didn't liquidate and and sell last year and you're in the middle of this. When do you like not hang on, especially if this is your first go around, right? Because you know, I'm sure that that's a lesson that we've all learned, right? How long you hold on to an employee, how long you hold on to property, how long you hold on to an investment. Like when when is the time, right, to to let things to let things go? But when is the time to maybe hold on? Yeah, well, that's a really really good question. So there's a lot of scenarios that have to do with this question. So let's just talk about debt first. So Let's say you have uh, an interest-only loan that's now going to have a, the principal part kick in, which is a which is a scenario that could be happening to if they bought oh. something two years ago, three years ago. Well, that extra principal could be the difference of them, you know, going down. Um, so, if I were them, I would be negotiating longer IO or interest-only as an example. The other thing is, I think so. The debt has a lot to do with that question. When you get to the operating expenses, because I've been through these before, what happens is the last thing to get paid, the, the very first thing to get paid is the mortgage. The very second thing that gets paid typically is payroll. And then the third thing is property tax and insurance. And then everything else starts going into net 30, net 60, net 90, net 120. So you start to manage all, and I've been through this. And so what happens is the unfortunately the maintenance and all the stuff and all the advertising and all the marketing all those kinds of things those are the last things to get paid and cuz you're just trying to keep the lights on and all that stuff at some point that some of that has to pop so the you get a you get a lien you you can't insure the property and then they let the lender know and you know so all that stuff and so that could take a long time and generally i've never actually known anybody that says, I'm done. You know, usually it's the lender that's going, Hey, we've got a problem here. And, um, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to move this into some, some kind of a foreclosure. So my, my guess is there's going to be very, very few people that do it voluntarily and it'll be done uh, via the lender. And, and, but sometimes it might just cash call their way through it. You know, like I, I, you know, I have that resort that I own. I mean, we've been shut down since March and, um, I mean, our burn rate is is high, and, and the spring just, is a, a high season for you. Don, yeah, so don't I know, you? I know, we're getting killed, and I'm just writing checks to keep it. I don't know. Oddly enough, I don't have debt on it, so it's just operations. You know, literally, it's everything else, but it's still a hundred thousand a month just to keep the thing with no revenue. So you know, so you need to know the priority of urgency, essentially. Like, what what yeah. is the most important thing to to pay first, and then pay pay last. Yeah, yeah, and so what will always what will immediately uh, trigger you uh, red flag is the non-payment of the mortgage. 
So that's usually the first thing that's paid. And, and so, and then usually everything else just, um, it's just a train wreck after that. And, um, you know, unfortunately it's going to happen. Well, let's, let's do this. This has been really, this has been really helpful. I mean, obviously we're still in the thick of it and there's still dust that's settling. Uh, at the same time, you know, I, I think you, you're looking at certain things based on your comments about what, what to pay attention to, whether it's, uh, you know, employment and specifically jobs and how that's flowing. Uh, but also looking at other, you know, how things are going to land in the retail section and how travel is going to change, vacation is going to change. I mean, there's just so much from even like a psychological standpoint, people going out, you have to wear masks. I think our governor in Utah just came out today and said, yeah, we're going to do a second wave, but now we were, are going to want everybody to be wearing masks everywhere, right? So it's, it's interesting just to see how things are going to adjust from a society perspective. But what, what would you say are like, all right, if you're an, in, an investor and, or you are, are a syndicator, both, like what are the top three things that you uh, would absolutely not do right now? And what are the top three things that you would do right now? Sure. Oh, g- good question. So the first thing I would not do is I would not buy. And you know, this is an interesting question because there's, I get so many people like, uh, like you have a big following and I have a big following and I get people like, I'm in the middle of this deal and should I buy this or should I buy that? Or, you know, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, this is not the time to buy. This is a time to step back and watch. And um, because there's a lot of risk. Uh, so that's the first thing. I also don't think it's a good time to over leverage because um, a lot of people are trying to refinance. And so, it's a good time to possibly do a no cash out refinance and, and get a lower rate if you can. And, and I also think going with a floating rate is probably fine for a while, you know, as long as you don't have that big penalty for any kind of a refinance. So if you could, like we just did this on an office building, oddly enough, like, I mean, literally we closed uh, the 1st of March. I did a, um, it has a 10% or no, 5%. Prepayment? like penalty Yeah, or? exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we can get out of it. All we had to do was uh, lease it up a little bit more. And um, so for me, that was like, okay, great. Cost me a hundred grand to, to get out of this loan. That's, that's good. And it's not a yield maintenance or any kind of a you know, large uh, prepayment. So that's another one. Be careful with that. I don't think going with a, a floater is, uh, is bad. In fact, Zion's Bank out of Utah, I just talked to them last week. You know, I'm doing a 2.75 on their, uh, off their balance, their own balance sheet. And it's a floater, but it's the first 10 years fixed. I'm like, great, I'll do that. And then, and so I know my first 10 years are fixed. And so now I'm gonna, uh, but I could refinance at year seven, eight, whatever, if I want, if I want to move into the fix. So that's another one. The other thing that I would be really careful about is uh, any kind of self-management. So that's the third one. So I know it costs money to have a management company, but this is the time when they show up. I'm telling you, a management company can, you know, especially a big one, they're, they're, you know, they have relationships with lenders, they have relationships with banks, they have relationships with vendors, they have relationships with all these folks, and they're also working on your behalf. And so this is not the time to fire a management company and self-manage and try to save that little bit of money because there's all these hidden mistakes that, that could be made um, by doing that. So we're like the, this is super helpful because yeah, I mean, I, you're obviously speaking from, you know, experience, a lot of experience and you also network with so many other uh, investors. So what, but what are maybe two, the top three things that you would be doing right now? 
Well, I'll tell you what we're doing. So um, the first thing I did was I, I we, we said, okay, let's maximize our cash. And so how can you maximize cash? So the first thing we did is we stopped all CapEx. So anything that was um, in any way budgeted for 2020, we said, has to go through me. So no, no, no new floors, no new appliances, no new this. It has to all go through me, um, unless it's emergency and health and safety. And so that was number one. And by the way, just that move alone, millions of dollars. Um, and then the other one was no value adds. That does not exist right now. We're not going to rent something for more next month. So no value adds at all. So if you, if, if you had a property that was based on a value add strategy, stop. You know, let's offer those at lower prices, which would be good. And so if you have somebody in a higher price unit, maybe you can move them to a, you know, a less expensive unit and keep them as a tenant. Um, you know, so, so, so that was another one. The other thing that we did is we, we took a look at all the rest of our cash reserves and then we did stress tests, you know, and then we started to take a look at where we were on all the cash and all the projects. And we ran those out through June based on diff- um, a number of scenarios to see where we were so that we knew specifically what would happen if, if we collected 90%, 80%, 70%, you know, where we're going to start to see. So those are things that you can do right now. And, and then um, you can also prepare your partners for cash call. And you should be super proactive on that. And so I did that with my um, with my resort. You know, I sent out middle of March. I said, "Hey, this is what's going to happen in the next ninety days." And so I'm going to need X amount of money from each of you um, in order to preserve this asset. And they all set their money in. If that continues, then we have to do it again. Or and then if they don't, then we got to move into the operating agreement and start a dilution process. You know what I mean? To in order to maintain the asset. So that's the number one. The other one is is what we're doing here. And I think learn, listen, and study is the second thing I wrote down. You sent me this. I, I got to tell you, this is the time where education is everything and they should be listening and learning. I probably get, I mean, from Robert Kiyosaki alone, he probably sends me three YouTubes a day. Um, <laughs> and unfortunately, they're all like 40 to an hour, you know what I mean? And so it's like, I'm like, just from Robert, I'm, I got two or three hours of stuff to listen to. But I have friends sending stuff around like you have no idea. And it's the greatest thing ever. And everybody has a different view. And, and so read and, and watch and learn as much as you can. So uh, you can, one, speak professionally to the, your, your lender and your, your investor and your employees on your strategy because you have to have a strategy. And this is the time when leadership shows up. And so a lot of times people are going and blowing and going and blowing and going and blowing and, and they're not very good communicators. Um, this is not the time to do that. And the last thing, third thing that we've done really, 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 really well is we work, we're working with all of our tenants, all of our employees and all of our lenders. And I actually have a report every single day, Patrick. I know every single day where my delinquency is, where my occupancy is on every single property that we have. And, and so we've gotten, I've never done that before. You know, usually I look at that, you know, every, every other week or, you know, and I kind of glance at it and I focus on one or two buildings that might now it's daily. I'm looking at this daily and we're managing right down to as I like, it's incredible. That's why I knew that we had 26 abandonment notices at one property um, because I was tracking that. We've never had to do that before. And so, and so I was on the phone with the asset manager today, say, what's going on with this on these 26? And they said, well, 20 other people 
came in and talked to us and now we're working with them. And okay, then we have six left and, and we can't evict them as you know, but that's not the point. We're just trying to get them to the table to the, so we can speak to them and talk to them and work with them because we don't want to evict them. And so this is why, this is why I'm saying the management is so important, guys. And I have, you know, as you know, I've got 25 years of property management and we've got all the bullets and all the guns right now trying to, we're putting everything out that we can and we're using all the experience and all the skills that we can as a team to manage this. And you cannot do it without somebody that really knows what they're doing. So, and, and that's where I was going to go, Kenny, because one thing that I've, I've realized from those that I respect and you're, and you're part of it is when all of this stuff started to go down, there became this, this surge of goodwill, right? Where it's those that had the experience, those that you know, kind of knew what was going on, not specifically, but generally speaking, started to share, started to, started to teach, right? started to, to network. And you know, I, I think right now is like one of the best times to, to do that and share. And you know, I would say technology is at a point where like, there's so many different networks out there that you can be a part of, associations that you can be a part of to share what's working for you, but also share what's not working. But the point is, it's, it's sharing, right? And giving and putting that out there so that you don't have to solve the problem on your own. You don't have to make hard decisions by yourself. You can kind of crowdsource that in a, in, in a sense. So maybe what's been really impressive to me uh, regarding what you've done over the last like two months is like you're, you're all over the internet, all over social media. And, and I'm like, where, does this guy just have like a, a camera crew following him around 24 <laughs> seven? Right. But maybe, you know, speak to some of the things you're, you're doing, uh, not just these types of interviews, but other things you're doing to, to educate investors, educate based on your, your experience and what difference that that's making. Thank you. Well, first of all, I, I want to tell you, like, I, I know one of the things we talked about is not trying to self-manage your property. I'll tell you just one story that I, I actually kind of blew me away. In March, so we belong locally in Arizona to the Arizona Multi-Housing Association. And I, I was the chairman of the board years ago, and so was my partner. And now it's Leslie Bryce, who's our, also a partner in our company, is the past chair. There was an email chain going around uh, at the end of March with all our competitors. I mean, all the major management companies. And uh, we were all on it. It was, it was like 100 people. And it was just, everybody was just posting, this is what we're doing on delinquents. This is what we're doing on occupancy. This is, a, this is a challenge we're having over here. And so what happened is everybody showed up. It was the most awesome thing to see because these are people that a lot of times you're, you're, you know, you're going head to head with on a project or a deal or something. And it was remarkable. And that's what I'm talking about. People are stepping up. And so what, what I've been really blessed Patrick, we have a, I have a, I'm on EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System. And so we rolled that out a couple of years ago. And, and so we have the ability to touch all of our properties, all of our employees immediately through this EOS system, through cascading messages and all that. So we had, we had all this set up already and we had all the systems set up already. And so, so what happened was, is we all started to meet through Zoom. And in fact, I had a Zoom call with the whole management team today. And so we have our ops person on there. We have our construction person on there. We have our head of maintenance on there. We have our, um, our COO on there. We have our head of marketing on there. We have our president on there, you know, and, and we have Ross on there and I am on there. And so we're all talking about all the stuff that we're happening to us individually right now. And we're working on them collectively as a team. And it started with, you know, um, what are we going to do for April? How are we going to pay our mortgage? 
Everybody's on that call. Everybody. So that, you know, here's the head of our marketing company, our market, you know, she runs our whole marketing team. I'm like, hey guys, like, I'm afraid that we're not gonna be able to pay April mortgage, you know? And so she, you know what I mean? So she's engaged and our COO's engaged and, you know, and so everybody's, you know what I mean? And it all cascades down. And so, so, you know, we had some properties like our senior properties that were paying a hundred percent, you know, cause they're not working they're, They, they get a lot of them aren't working and they get their assistance checks, no issues there. But I didn't think about that. And, uh, but then we have other properties that are heavily in service. We were at 60% collected come April 8th. And so we're like, okay, what do we do here? And so, so in a lot of ways, these, these things show up. And because of the experience that we all have, we're working on it collectively together. And so is the industry. And so being able to throw that out to the National Apartment Association and National Multi-Housing Council and, and work on this stuff collectively, and that we, we get these best practices and, and things that are going on all over the place. And we roll it right out. So you know, when I'm speaking to our governor about something, Trust me, I'm finding out from the Texas Apartment Association, from the Atlanta Apartment Association, from the California Apartment Association on their handling things like rent control and, and homelessness and all that stuff. And so I'm bringing all that data in to sit down with Doug and, and say, this is what's happening. When he asked me the question, is, does rent control work or what should I do here? Or what should I do there? I know because I've done all my homework beforehand and that's the power of being plugged in. And that's also a, an important point because there are those in those positions of of leadership that are not as in, as informed and obviously the connections that you have is one thing but at the same time a lot of that information probably the majority of it came from came from others through this this kind of networking uh, networking principle so this has been this has been super helpful hopefully everyone's getting a lot a lot out of this interview uh, maybe maybe speak to ways in which the audience can uh, be engaged with you because I know that you're speaking to you know the large investors and syndicators, but you you also have a lot of relevant information and contact content for the smaller the smaller investor, maybe the yep. you know the one that's just doing it themselves and maybe doesn't have uh, you know partners or, or investors. Well, that's actually what I did. So I started taking all that stuff that we were doing as a company and the, all the information that we're getting from everybody, and I started putting it on our website for free at kenmacro.com. So you can go look at our our um, plan to pay our PTP program, which is the exact form that we use for each tenant. It's on my website for free. All these different things that we're doing, I just put up there for free because this is, I don't want people to lose their real estate. I don't want people to go into default. I want people to make great decisions. And so that's why I've been doing all these videos. I said, listen, I go, this is the time when people need this information. I'm going to start doing two videos a week, which is you know not easy to do for me because of all these other things we've got going. But when the PPP came out and the EIDL came out, I didn't know what the heck to do with it. I didn't even know what it meant. So I um, found a tax senior tax advisor and I, I said, hey, Eric, this is the guy that does 100 of our tax returns every year. I go, do you understand this? He's like, absolutely. I go, would you do a podcast with me? He's like, absolutely. And so we did that. And then that turned into a TV interview on Fox News because we interviewed Eric and, and so, you know, but I put it on the website for free because I, I want people to see, I mean, fully transparent, fully authentic on exactly what we're doing. These are the exact things we're doing. And so I, I, this is the time to do that is to help people out. And now is the crucial time where emotion can get the best of you, right? Without, uh, without good information. And oftentimes emotion comes from the, the lack of information. 
So I think that's evident in a lot of different respects and it will continue to be because you know this isn't over. I mean, we're, we're in the thick of uh, a very uh, disruptive event. And at the same time, you know, this is life. Life's nonlinear, right? And it, you know, it always throws curveballs at us. And that's the, it's the beauty of it because that's some of the, gra- some of the greatest lessons uh, come from that. But what all, what's been impressive to me is you know, the example you gave of all the different uh, competitors that you have, all these big investors, property managers that you know, came together. And I think these are the times where we have so many tools to just share. And so capitalizing on that uh, allows us to, number one, experience the humanity in people, but also get the answers to, to questions, right? That you don't have to, you don't have to guess, you know, you don't have to do it alone. You can use, uh, you know, evidence and you can use information of those that have tried it and uh, have done it successfully. And I think that's where, you know, I've just been impressed with your, your team and your group and how much marketing you've done, uh, where, I mean, again, it's the investment of goodwill and who knows how that's going to pay off, but it, you know, just as well as I do that it always does in some form. Yeah. Yeah. And it, maybe it does pay off. I, I just, you know, I get like you, I, we have 30, 40,000 people that get our newsletter every week and they, these are questions they ask. And, and so part of being the, part of the chem com, as you know, I give everything away to charity, books, tapes, everything I do is goes to our, our foundation, which we have as well. But I, I just take the questions that people have give me on Facebook, Instagram, or on any of the LinkedIn stuff, and we turn them into videos and we turn them into podcasts. And so we're just trying to deliver that. Um, and so, you know, real people, real time right now, that's, that's what we've been trying to do. Okay. I got one more question. This, yeah. this, what are uh, some of the books that you're reading right now and finding really relevant for the times? Oh my gosh. Like, well, the best part was I think there's so much stuff. Like, like I go back to like the creature from Jekyll Island, you know, yeah. which I know we've read so many times. I'm, I just read a book called the paradigm matrix collusion. You know, there's just so many things that talk about, and everybody's got a different slant, a different viewpoint on things. You know, any of the Jim Rickards books, as you know, currency wars and all that stuff. Cause I, if we really wanted to take this to the next level, and I know you're super comfortable talking about that stuff is how do you double the amount of money supply and not have massive inflation? And what do we do? You know? And so, so for me, I'm trying to be ahead of all that stuff. I'm trying to study trends. Uh, Robert and I were just in, uh, Robert Kiyosaki and I were just in Texas and um, we flew down there privately, you know, because we didn't want to fly commercial and, um, and went to a ranch for, and just studied trends, uh, lag, procession with Buckminster Fuller. We studied those things for a week and, and just how things slowly, like when you drop a pebble in a pond and you see the ripple effects, that's called procession. And so this COVID-19, it's creating processional effects. It's creating processional effects in the restaurant, in the, in the tourism, in the cruise ships, Everywhere. in the healthcare system, and all those kinds of things. And so we're trying to study those things. And as you know, the real way to make lots of money, uh, not that this is just about making money, but you can, is to try to um, understand a trend. And if you can understand a trend, like you did on insurance, you know what I mean? The cash out insurance, like that was a trend and it still is. And it was a great one. And you built a nice career off of that. And so those are trends. And so, so it's the same thing with multifamily and, and retail and industrial and, you know, and, and condos and everything else. They're trends, all of them. And so, you know, and so for us, those are, those are the books that I've been studying recently. And, um, you know, again, just, 
pour yourself into something, man. It's it's a it's a great time to be super confused and and talk to as many people as you can. And now's the time to to gather information, right? And to and you said and you said something else that was profound, which is which is listen, right? And really listen to what's being said and uh, the person saying it. But then it's also to to ask questions, right? It's not to take things at face value, right? But to find other perspectives. Oftentimes, the opposite perspective helps, right? So you can weigh, you know, the perspective that you resonate with, but you have the opposite that helps to really re- refine it, uh, maybe change and maybe change it. But that's, a, you know, that's one of those trying to rub off the 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 fog on the on the windshield, right? Because- yeah, well, I love what you said about bias. Like, I don't know if you realize what you said, but that's it. I I, I think like what happens is like people, like I talk to people all the time, and they have a, like a paradigm of you know, what's going to happen? You know what I mean? They have a belief system based on their belief system, based on maybe something that they read or, you know, or something that they've learned from years ago or whatever, and they're stuck. And the one thing that I'm always searching for is the truth. You know, the truth is the truth, period. And what, 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 I, what happens for me is I put my own biases in front of the truth. And I put my own belief system in front of the truth. And then, then I start to believe my own bullshit, you know, and, and, and that's what kills people. So, so if you, if you can, you know, if you can take a thought and you can make it a thing and you can stick it out here and you can look at it and you can observe it and it's not necessarily yours and you can really analyze it and you can really be objective with it, you'll be a lot further along, you, you know, because I think. You know, you have to, you know, what happens is I see it in people's comments, you know, like they're, oh, that's bullshit, you know, dislike or thumb down or whatever the hell you want to call it. (laughs) I love that stuff because, you know, it's just, they're just so closed minded, you know, Uh, they don't have to necessarily agree, but, but they should at least say why, you know, and they should say, Hey, what about this? What about that? I'm thinking about this and maybe they're right, but, you know, but instead they just, you know, it's. It's they just take this this position about oh this is going to be a V you know what I mean like we're going to hit bottom and then guess what twenty five million people are going to go back to work in a week well that is just not going to happen you know what I mean but that's what they think and so how you know is it along you you know so there's the V versus the U you know right now and everybody's kind of debating that I don't know the answer but what I do know is that the more I study um, and get out of my own way then uh, the better I'm going to be because the truth is going to be the truth. Whatever happens, it will happen. No matter what I think, no matter what you think, no matter what anybody thinks, it's going to roll out on its own magically. We have zero control over it. And so if you can back away from that and just look at it for what it is, you're going to be better off. Yeah, it's, you know, I think one of the the greatest fears people have that I think has been that is magnified based on social media is the, the fear of being wrong, right? The, the fear of... <laughs> you know, looking bad, right? Because you were wrong. But that's the thing is everybody's wrong, right? And oh, we, have one, we have one perspective. And that's where, you know, it goes to what you were saying before. It's, you know, you, I think the smartest people, right, are, are the ones that realize they don't, they don't know anything. And they operate like that, even though they're brilliant, right? They operate. And Andy, you know, Andy's, our, our friend Andy Tanner, he's totally like this. And I know you are, you are as well. And, and there's so many others that have so much wisdom, but yet, they're the last to say that they know anything or know what they're talking about, even though they do, right? But that, but it's the mindset of being open to other perspectives that either reinforce or potentially tweak the way in which they th- see things. Plus, life 
is always evolving, right? It's cha- it's changing and different things are happening. And, you know, it's not going it, to, this whole uh, crisis isn't going to, it's not going to be the same pebble. It might be a rock. It might be, you know, a little leaf landing on the, uh, on, on the water, creating a ripple effect, but it may not last that long. I mean, who knows? But at the same time, it's like, if you're not open to seeing how something that is different is going to impact things going forward, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to navigate those waters. Oh, I tell you, I, I've, I've got dinner with Robert uh, Kiyosaki in an hour and uh, um, it's 5.30 here and, and I, I'm going to see him for dinner at 6.30. And I, I, I'll tell you, I've been in hundreds and hundreds of meetings and dinners and lunches and breakfasts with him and had hundreds of conversations with him. But there's one thing that he's never, ever, ever done. And that is he's never, ever um, told me what he thinks about something. <laughs> you know what I mean? He always, 100% of the time, he wants to know what you know. And so he's listening to you, Patrick, and he's actually trying to figure out how to change his own position. He's not taking your position. He's actually trying to change his own position. And I think if more people did that, if more people, instead of just trying to talk over somebody while somebody else is talking, if they just sat and listened to what somebody was saying um, really intently, and they were super aware, and they they could become super objective and not so fixed, then they would learn more because you learn. I like to learn from other people. I don't have to take on your position, but I I can respect it. And, you know, and I, but I would actually rather say, you know, that's not how I see it. I see it this way. And I would rather have a conversation because you still might change my position because maybe conversations two people have the same knowledge and opinion. (laughs) I know. I know. So, so that's the part that frustrates me is when people have fixed positions on things and, and Robert is, Robert taught me that. I mean, I already know he's going to say what book he's going to do the same thing you did. What book you read? Oh, blah. And he's going to go, you know, tell me about it. (laughs) What'd you see? You know, what'd you learn from it? And and this, that's, I already know that's the exact conversation he's going to have. He's going to say that exact question. Um, or did you watch that video and what'd you learn from it? That's what he's going to say. Cause he already sent me two videos today. Which I haven't, by the way, seen either one yet. Cause I've been working all day, but I got to watch it in the next hour because I know he's going to ask me that question. Well, so, I'll, I'll leave you, I'll leave you to that because, cause last, uh, so I'll tell you this, that I, I, I did the, uh, cardinal sin of podcasting, uh, with Richard Duncan, where I recorded almost two hours of a podcast. It was that like intriguing. Wow. Uh, about, you know, some of his thoughts about what's going on. And, uh, he, and he has a new book that's coming out as, uh, as well. But anyway, it, it's, it, he has a completely different perspective, right. Than, than most economists. And it's, I can't br- wait to it's read brilliant. It. Yeah. I think it's, he's awesome. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. I, my mind opened up to so many different ideas as far as like how the monetary system works. And yeah, it, yeah, he's, he's a brilliant guy. But if you, I mean, if you look at Chris Martinson, Richard Duncan, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, Mike Maloney, they all have different views. Uh, that's actually what I love. I, love I mean, that. you know, yeah. I want that. I want yeah. to know what they want, what they see. That's what I want. And then that I want my position changed. I honestly want my position changed because I've made so many mistakes having a fixed position. Uh, I want to see you get killed by what you don't see. It's kind of the, your greatest, your greatest, uh, fear is the opposite of what most people's greatest fear is. <laughs> yeah, I do. I get, well, I get killed every, every single time, man. I mean, every like, time I do something, you don't know goofy, and where you're it's wrong. because, yeah, it's because I'm blind 
you know, and I'm like, oh, what was the lesson there? What, what could I have seen better? And it's always ask better questions, you know. Well, there's been there, there's definitely new things under the sun, but I don't think there are many truths that are new under the sun. They just manifest in a different way. And, you know, I, I just look at the events that are going on right now and there's, there's so much good if you look for it. Right. But yet most people are drawn to popular culture, popular opinion. And, you know, unfortunately most of it's pessimistic, but there's also a lot of, and there's truth, there's truths in there. At the same time, there's a lot of truths in some of the optimistic perspectives. They're just a little bit harder to find. And, you know, I, I look at this being one of, you know, one of the greatest lessons that we're, society is going to, to learn in our generation. Right. And it's, we're less than two months into it. That's what's crazy about it. How quickly it happened, how disruptive it is and, and will be. But at the same time, you know, it's the, the creative destruction. There's so much creativity. That's where humanity shines is during these disruptive, difficult moments. It's so true. I, I'll tell you, you know, the difference of hardship between, uh, I think it's ego or humility. You know, ego is super personal. It's all in. It's all looking at things out. It has highs. It has lows. It's um. It's more of a vertical growth, whereas humility is more of a horizontal growth. It's more about empathy. It's more about leadership. It's more big picture. And so the minute you can make that transition, is I, what happens is the reason people have fixed positions or the reason that they react with a comment so quickly and the reason that they you know are get so defensive. It's all ego. And so if people can, you know, if people can get that in check and, and, and start to look at it from the other person's perspective, you know, again, you don't have to take it on, you know, um, and just have empathy around that. Um, you'll learn a lot more. And, uh, and for me, you know, when I, when I first studied that book, you know, The Enemy is the Ego years ago, I don't know, gosh, it's been maybe 10 years, we studied it as a company. I had a lot of ahas in there, you know, and I, I think that um, a lot of my belief system and a lot of things that I used to do um, were based on ego. And um, once you move that aside, um, the world really opens up. In amazing way. Yeah, I have. I love Ryan Holiday's stuff. Yeah. I have. Yeah, there's a, a I'll, I'll put a picture on the show notes, but there and I'll send you the picture as well with it shows the balance of perspective between ego and humility. It's, it's, a, it's a profound concept. That's a book that, man, you could read that a hundred times and still get something out of it. Yes, I, I'm glad. I, I, I had no doubt that, that you had read that book. Well, Kenny, this has been amazing. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I know you need to get running. There's been so much value here. Uh, what's, maybe end with just some of the best ways for listeners to uh, follow you, learn from all the stuff that you're putting out there. Is it just KenMacroy.com? Is that probably the best yeah, place? Yeah, just go to KenMacroy.com and then you can go to our company, which is MCCompanies.com if you want to see what we're, going, what we're doing there. I've been putting everything up on KenMacroy.com and I've got podcasts and I've got videos and you know most of those are free. There's some stuff behind the wall, but that's really for real estate investing and education. Um, but anything that's been happening now and you know anything that we're doing as a company, I'm putting up there for free. The forms and and all that stuff. So just go. You know, you don't have to buy anything. You know, it's just just get get your email, get on your email system, and then you have access to everything. Um, and and um, you know, hopefully it'll it'll help some people. Yeah, I remember we were. This was years and years ago. We were on a beach, and I was like, 
Ken, you need to do that. You need to do membership. You need to put videos up there. You need to put all the stuff <laughs> you've ever done up there. I know. And now you're like totally like, man, it's 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 so impressive to see what your team uh, is is doing, how much value that's creating. So we'll for those of you guys not able to write anything down, we'll go to the show notes and uh, and we'll put all the links that we've discussed here as well as some of the book mentions that we've uh, we've made. There's been a, probably a half a dozen of them. But thank you guys for listening. Ken, do you have any final words before we sign off? No, I, all I would like to say is... Um, we've been here before, you know, um, it's a little different. This is a virus. It's not a, you know, financial meltdown. It's not planes hitting the world trade center. It's, it's not a dot com bus, but it's, we've been here before the same fundamentals are going to happen. And, and so there's nothing to be afraid of other than, you know, just be safe around the health piece. Um, but every, just pay attention because this is the greatest time. I think this is going to be People are going to get really, 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 really wealthy uh, if they make the right moves. Completely agree with that. Kenny, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll definitely have to do a follow-up in a few a few months just to see where everything lands and uh, what life looks like then. Hey, good luck, guys. And hey, uh, tell your family hi. Uh, I yeah. miss them. Yeah, you too. You too, man. Okay. We'll, we'll be in touch. Okay. See you, bud. Okay. Thank you for listening to The Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.